1: Thank you for listening to the FCS Podcast with your hosts, Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson.
2: Here on the Believe Podcast Network, do you believe?
1: Welcome back to the FCS Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by my wonderful partner in crime over Skype, Sean Anderson. How's it going, Joe? Uh, it's great. And we just finished up Memorial Day weekend, as you, I'm sure you might have assumed and noticed that we are a day later than we typically are, but we you know, figured it might be best to let the folks and, and you out there to... Take advantage of enjoy your Memorial
2: Day. Sean, how was your Memorial Day? Uh, well, I was ready to record yesterday, but Big Party Man over here, I think, wanted to have his uh, Monday to himself. What are you talking about? <laughs> just, i just just, we always record on Mondays, we always put the product out on Mondays. Hey, Monday. hey I was, man, I, t- I
1: told you I could have gone yesterday.
2: I was left loaded yesterday, and uh-huh, now I'm, I'm sure. re- reloaded today. <laughs> Says the guy who just finished <laughs> his notes 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Oh, nice, now you gotta yeah, on Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. you're gonna put me on the ass. I'm right back at you. No, uh, uh, yesterday was good. Played some water basketball. Had a good day. It was a, a dominant performance again by me.
1: I'm sure that doesn't take much to be a dominant performance by you, considering your six foot. I mean, five do, you, do, you think,
2: in... do you think you could stop me in the pool? Probably not. Okay, good. I'm glad we. I'm glad we understand that.
1: I mean, in most pools, I feel like I'd be trying to float, and you'd just be standing no problem. So Can you I don't know, swim? No. I can, but the point I'm trying to make is that you can comfortably stand in most depths, and I cannot.
2: I have to keep myself up. Well, water basketball is more of a wrestling sport than it is a basketball.
1: It's <laughs> wrestling sport?
2: Yes. It's wow. incredibly physical.
1: Oh, my
3: God.
2: <laughs> like I, I, Like, it's physical to the point where we make the other pool goers uncomfortable but they know who we are when we show up they know what's gonna do you, happen
1: do you go to a public pool or is this at like a country club what, no, what kind of
2: situation is this it's just the local pool and, but you have to have okay. a membership to the pool but i mean I, yeah i've been going there my whole life they just let me in the and whoever i'm coming in and in, in have you ever
1: been tossed for being a little bit too physical in water um, basketball?
2: no i did get tossed once though for doing pool. what um okay so i was playing at two on one in water basketball yeah. And I uh, I can't remember if I won or lost, but I was very, very angry at the end of it. Because they were cheating, I, th- I think. I think they were cheating points. And then I get up out of the pool, and I'm furious. And then I throw one of the pool chairs. Um, and then the manager kicked me out. And then I, I got super mad, and I left. And I, Well, I had to oh, leave. Oh, my God. But, <laughs> yeah. Throwing the pool chair. I mean, it was... It's a, it, it wasn't like it was like a huge like throw, like a Pat Riley throw. No, no, no. Yeah. It, it was just a, a flip. I just flipped it, but it flipped it pretty hard.
1: The, the headlines were like, large man terrorizes <laughs> local pool. <laughs> they, they probably thought you were, uh, were deranged.
2: <laughs> well, well, like an honest game. That's just me. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's
2: fair. That's fair.
1: Well, Sean, we're going get, to gonna get right into it because we've got a lot on tap. We're talking Southern Conference SoCon football, and we have a taped interview by Kevin from FCS Radio who gave us a great in-depth inside look at the Southern Conference because, I mean, let's be honest, he is an expert when it comes to that stuff. Um, but first, that being said, we do have some news to cover, and sadly the first thing that we have is not exactly great news. Um, and it's, you know, something that you really don't want to have to be covering. But Elon Longsnapper, Nicholas Kavuklis was found dead of unknown causes. And this was a few days before an expected graduation at Elon University. And it really needs to be touched upon, obviously, because it's just a tragic thing to see. They're not really sure what happened or what the causes were. Um, but overall, the thoughts and prayers are with the Elon football team and also his family. Now a little bit of a transition from that Flow Sports which recently signed a deal with the CAA apparently has been having some technical issues and I've been seeing a ton of people that have been pointing out how badly it has been for MLS games so Sean I don't know if you noticed this but I don't know if you're a big soccer guy or not you know my stance Yeah I know I know your stance but DC United actually was the team oh. that's been experiencing the major technical issues And they have had to even issue a public apology. I I, I hear you restraining yourself. What's your, uh, what's your qualm?
2: Well, uh, I mean, we are just about three months out from football season. I mean, I think 97 days till our first game. 96 now. Pardon me. I would like to see Flow Sports get it together by then. And it is concerning that when we're, you know, three months out, that this is happening. So I, I, I get it. You want to make a big deal with the, the production company or, and what Flow Sports does. But you, I mean, it's just a little bit nerve-wracking.
1: Yeah, Sean, I, I understand what your, your stance on that is. And I think that every CAA fan is also going to be frustrated. It's going to be a long season if they don't end up fixing these issues. And frankly, if your only job is to stream a broadcast, it seems like you should be good at it if you're making all that money in that type of a deal. So hopefully they figure their stuff out. Otherwise, viewership for the CAA could potentially take a major hit.
2: Yeah, I I mean, parents can't go to every game. And when we are looking at FCS football and how we want it to grow and how we want it to be portrayed to the public and people see it uh, if they see the Flow Sports online and they see the stream, they want to tune in and it's buffering and it's not even up and there's a whole bunch of blackouts across the country, then it just doesn't make a good look for FCS football in general, uh, let alone the CAA. So, I mean, I guess the the people in the CAA, the, the head the head people in the CAA did want to choose Flow Sports. I mean, they, they had to make that decision. But... Uh, you know, I want it to be a good representation of us as a full product, as a full, you know, as a conference and as a division. Certainly, certainly completely agree with you on that. And now we're joined by
1: Kevin from FCS Nation, who's going to be giving us some insight on the Southern Conference. And how you doing today, Kevin?
3: I'm doing fine, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, it's great finally getting a chance to have you on. You've been a, a pretty good supporter of us, you know, despite us being uh, only around for a short period of time. So we appreciate all the support you have given us so far.
3: Well the FCS is a pretty fraternal bunch, especially with the media people. You know, you look at FBS folks and you know you can't even get others to like things that people do <laughs> well on Twitter. You know, it's uh, with us I think everybody's just happy to get the coverage. And those of us that do our best to provide that coverage, you know, we all kind of like each other and and it's a small band. It's a very small tribe. And I think we're all pretty fraternal.
1: Yeah. I've already gotten a sense of that, that it seems like everyone's pretty connected. Um, You know, you got Sam Herter from uh, hero sports. You got Brian also from hero sports, Uh, Craig Haley from uh, stats FCS. Seems like everyone is, is relatively connected. Uh, So, you know, it's great to finally get to connect with you. So, Kind of rolling into things, talking about the Southern Conference, I just want to know what headlines do you think are worth watching coming into the 2019 season?
3: It's going to be like it always is, Joe. You can just start off with, it's going to be a war because it's going to be. And like almost every year, you've got six or seven teams in that league that have a legitimate shot to win the auto bid. And the Southern Conference, these teams know each other very well. And it's just a matter of who's going to make those three or four plays that are the difference between winning and losing. I think if you look at the Citadel season last year, they finished five and six, but they were like 13 points away from being eight and three. That's how that league is. The games come down to the fourth quarter, and they always come down to a couple of plays.
1: So you're talking about how tight these games are and how close these, uh, these teams are when they face off once against one another. Would you say that there is a clear cut favorite to emerge as the playoff team from this conference, or do you think it's a bit of a toss
2: up?
3: I think it's a toss up. From one to seven, I really I think you can throw out maybe the bottom two, but who knows? But every team has something that they do especially well that other teams have to try and prepare for. I mean look, there wasn't a better quarterback in the country last year than Devlin Hodges. He won the Peyton Award. Yep. Sanford has to Sanford has to replace him. I mean, Tyree Adams may be the best player in the country this year, the quarterback at Western Carolina, but things haven't really worked out very well for Adams at WCU. When he's had a good running attack to go with him, he hasn't had great receivers. When he's had great receivers, he hasn't had the great running attack. Well, this year he's going to have an entirely new offensive line, and the Catamounts are a question mark, but they could put it all together. They have as much talent as anybody. You look at Chattanooga with new coach Rusty Wright. You know, he's a Mm -hmm. Chattanooga fella. He knows that area. He's going to recruit well there. It's just a matter of whether he can find something to bring it all together this year. And I know I just mentioned the Citadel earlier, but there wasn't a hotter team in the FCS the last four or five games of the season than the Citadel Bulldogs when they switched quarterbacks to Brandon Rainey. Uh, You know, they played very well down the stretch and gave Alabama all they wanted for quite a long time there. So it's going to be very, you know, if I had not picked somebody to win it, and, you know, I was going to take it to Vegas. I don't know who I would pick. I think the easy pick, though, is probably Wofford. And you'll see a lot of the preseason okay. people are going to give Wofford the nod. Uh, just because, you know, they won the last couple. East Tennessee State is going to be pretty good again, I think. They had to replace a four-year starter, a quarterback. There are a lot of question marks, and that's why we play the games, bro. Well, you know, the those answers are going, to be pro- are going to be provided on the field like they should be.
1: So you you talked about Wofford being that indirect favorite because a lot of people are picking them. What do you like that Wofford does that, and also what other people are saying that they do very well that's going to push them ahead?
3: Well, Wofford, I think that they have a a decision to make. Are they going to stick with what's worked, the triple option, and playing good defense? And, you know, Wofford's always got a pretty big, big defensive line up front, clogging up holes. It's just a matter of whether they're going to try to throw the ball 15 times a game now, 17 times a game now. And there's a danger in that, I think. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that option offense at Wofford hadn't been broke for quite a long time. But there's a school of thought that says with the triple option that you're only going to be able to go so far in the playoffs. And I think maybe there is some validity to that. I mean, you look at what the speed of the defense at NDSU did to Wofford just a couple of years ago in the playoffs. You know, very, they limited them to what they could do. So I think if Walker does diversify the offense, that they need to be careful because, look, if you've done something and you've recruited athletes to run a specific style of offense, yep. and then you ask them to do different things that are not in their comfort zone, things could tailspin and go south on you real quick. So we'll have to see how that's going to affect the Terriers.
1: So we're talking about the top favorites in the conference right now. And one of the things that Sean and I always love to discuss when talking about conferences is a potential surprise team that could shock people, that could overperform the way that they played last season, and outdo expectations. Is there a team that you think that could do that uh, in the Southern Conference?
3: Again, I'm going to go back to the Citadel Bulldogs. That's a tough bunch. Nobody likes to come to Charleston to play them in Johnson-Haygood Stadium. You know that you're going to be in for a fight, Mm -hmm. even when they're not very good. Uh, the Citadel was going to fight you, and the way they finished the season last year, there's a lot of good feeling in that program, and the morale was extremely high. The only question that the Citadel going to have is, can they do enough throwing the ball to maybe you know get hit five or six big plays? You know that uh, when the safeties start creeping up, and Brandon Rainey has shown the ability last year to put the ball over the top. And we all know this. You play yep. that if you if you can get those guys coming forward, and you have a receiver who can break the, break the field deep, you know it's six points and strike up the band. Yeah, you know. So I think Remus Ballmer is going to help them. He's a transfer from Sam Houston State, ran the ball very effectively for Casey Keeler down there in Texas. He's going to be um, a a back for them, which is the guy who runs the wide, and he's a t- and he's as tough and fast of a runner as you're going to find. I like the Citadel to do something this year and look they were close last year made a quarterback change and that made all the difference so i think things are looking up in charleston i think that also western carolina could be that team as well wcu has as much talent as anybody in the country so does chattanooga they just need something to bring it all together and in western's case maybe get a couple of breaks here and there it's kind of been a snake bit program they obviously believe in coach Spear. there he's you know got a contract extension in the off season, without a whole bunch of success at Western, so you know we'll see what happens, but it's going to be a very interesting year in the SoCon, like they all are.
1: Now, a little bit of a transition question. It's the last one that we have on tap, and as, as I'm sure as you know that in the FCS, recruiting is a very different world that it is compared to FBS. Who do you think had the the standout recruiting class in the Southern, Southern Conference that could potentially put some guys on the field week one that are freshmen?
3: That's a good question because generally, well, first of all, you have one Southern Conference school, the Virginia Military Institute, better uh, better known as VMI. Yep. That doesn't have that doesn't have a grad school, so they have very few five year players there. So I think that you'll see VMI put some guys, some freshmen on the field who can make that difference. Just because, I mean, who wants to be a cadet an extra semester? Yeah,
1: to play exactly. That game?
3: You know, so you know that's uh, so VMI tends to play them early. Uh, again, I hate to bring it up again, but the Citadel has lost, uh, you know, two uh, cornerbacks to FBS graduate transfers. Two out of the last three years. One of them's playing Sunday football for the Dolphins. So I think that maybe you'll see them put some people on the field early. But Chattanooga always recruits well. You know, they're always in the top ten when people uh, put their classes together for the FCS. So I think maybe you'll see. Some of their receivers get on the field early. And Sanford as well. Sanford has to replace not only Devlin Hodges but McKnight, the fine wide receiver. So we'll see. And East Tennessee State is going to have a new quarterback. Uh, Henrik graduated and is now playing ball down in uh, Germany or over in Germany. His backup left the school. So you know they might be playing a true freshman or maybe they'll go the transfer route as we head towards fall camp.
1: All right, well, Kevin, thank you so much for giving us that inside look on the Southern Conference. Um, you know, it can be a little bit tough to have that in depth of a look from the view of every single team in the FCS. So, again, really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk to us.
3: Hey, guys, I really appreciate the time. And look, uh, I will certainly reciprocate. I know it's going to be tough for y'all to be on people's shows during the season. Yep. But uh, we'll but we'll get you on there during the playoffs or something. I, oh yeah, I really we appreciate the time.
1: That being said, we're not uh that being said, we're not playing in the playoffs,
3: <laughs> gotcha well yeah well you know look, uh, i I think I think you probably will be you know, Again, I hope so too look it it look, I didn't quite know how to react, and I don't think most of f c s world did when they looked up at the bracket and didn't see New Hampshire last year, yeah, you know, so uh you know there are kids who have been born and now can drink beer who uh <laughs> who were the last time to <laughs> to New Hampshire missed the playoffs, I think. But thanks, guys. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Thank you again from Kevin from FCS Radio giving us that wonderful information on the Southern Conference. Now it's time to give our own little breakdown on how things looked. And the very first thing we're going to do, like we do every single episode, is talk about how this conference looked in last year's standings. And the first thing that I want to note, and Kevin talked about it, was that this is a very balanced conference. We're going to start going down this list, but if you notice, there were more than one team. There were three teams that had six wins, and then every other team was within a win of that top spot. So it is a very balanced conference. It is a very consistent one, and frankly, any team can come out on top. And now time to go over how this, this conference looked. Wofford last year was 9-4. and four. and in the Southern Conference. They had the best defense, only allowing 304.4 yards per game. They also only allowed 103.8 rush yards per game in a conference that has some pretty dominant rushing attacks. They also only allowed 205 pass yards per game. And then finally, talking about dominant rushing attacks, they had an elite one with 311.6 rush yards per game. That's a lot, Sean.
2: Yeah, Walford was a really, really strong team last year. And then coming behind them in second place was Eastern Tennessee State University, eight and four on the year, six and two in conference, and they had a league best fifteen interceptions over last season.
1: Right after them was Furman. Not much statistically to point out on them, but they were six and four and six and two. They were just a hair behind ETSU and Wafford and sadly they did not end up making the national tournament.
2: And uh, after Fur- Furman Samford 6 and 5, 5 and 3 in conference, Devin Hodges is Delvin Hodges. Delvin, pardon me, Joe. Pardon me, Mr. Hodges. <laughs> Best offense with 515.9 yards per game, obviously a Madden team and 392.7 pass yards per game offense off the charts. That's a really good year offensively for the uh, Sanford.
1: Yeah, those numbers really came from the arm of Delvin Hodges, who was one of the best players in the country last year for the production that he had. He is going to be very tough to replace, and that storyline, I think that a lot of people are going to be focusing on is who emerges as the starting quarterback for them. And you know, frankly, it's going to be tough to replace Delvin Hodges. right now. I think he's actually with the Steelers. He signed an undrafted uh, free agent contract with them. So good luck to him, but it's going to be a tough season for Sanford. Coming up right behind them was Chattanooga six and five, four and four. They had one of the worst offenses, but still some decent production. Three hundred forty-three yard point nine yards per game.
2: Following them, Mercer, five and six on the year, four and four in conference. Why don't you take the Citadel too, Sean? I'll take the Citadel too because I guess there's no rules in this show anymore. Nope. The nope. Citadel, five and six on the year, four and four in conference, two hundred eighty-three point six rush yards per game, only through for 83.7 yards per game, what are, <laughs> and they racked up 33 sacks on the year. <laughs> the Citadel,
1: and if I'm correct, and I think Kevin also spoke upon this, was that they run the triple option, so they don't really need to throw the ball that much. But, uh, you know, you hate to see the 83 yards per game. You kind of hope they could do a little bit of something, but, you know, it is what it is. Right behind them, West Carolina They gave up a league-worst 261.5 pass yards per game. I mean, that number's not horrendous. It's not like we're talking above 300 yards per game, but still not a great pass defense for them, and that's probably why they were towards the bottom of the conference. And, Sean, why don't you take this last team that is the bottom dweller of the Southern Conference?
2: Uh, Yeah, VMI, uh, the Vermont Military Institute, 1-10, Oh, and eight on the year.
1: No, it's Virginia. What are you talking well, about? Well, I mean, <laughs> I didn't
2: like how you said bottom dweller, so I thought I'd throw Vermont under the bus.
1: You know, Vermont doesn't have a Division One team.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, you but... just didn't
1: want to, You just didn't want to have to say Virginia and bottom dweller, dwe- bottom dweller in the same sentence.
2: That okay. that was it, wasn't it? Yes, that's true. For yeah, that that's all it was. Uh, VMI, the Virginia Military Institute. Uh, Surrendered 509.6 yards per game, given up on defense. 265.4 that was rush yards per game, and they only rushed for 58.3 yards a game. And the most penalized team last year, that's a tough draw for VMI.
1: Yeah, there were not really any redeeming qualities from last year. One in 10, not much you can do with that. So they're going to be a team that probably is not going to take many steps further. You should probably expect them to be at the bottom again. Sean, now we're going to take a look at the best returners that had great seasons last year that could potentially have an even better one in 2019. And the first guy is a guy that we're both excited about, and that is West Carolina quarterback Tyree Adams. six foot two, only 180 pounds, but that does not keep him from being a 1,000-yard rusher as a quarterback. That's something that we do not talk about often. That doesn't even happen at the NFL level, and he was able to do a 1,000-yard rushing season, but he also threw for 2,417 pass yards, a pretty decent 16 touchdowns, and six interceptions as well. I would not be surprised if he surpassed 1,000 yards again, and potentially over 2,500 passing yards as well.
2: Yeah, Adams had a really good season, but Joe, it's running back time. I'm going to start it off with ETSU running back Quay Holmes. Six foot one, two hundred and sixteen pounds. It's a big nine, back. It's a big back. Nine hundred and twenty-eight rushing yards, two hundred and seventy-nine receptions, receiving yards. Pardon me, and thirteen total touchdowns last year. My, my really good year from Holmes.
1: Yeah, he was one of the best overall all-around all players as far as production, and he was one of the top all-purpose guys. That is not a quarterback. As far as how many yards he put on the ground, right after him, and a little bit smaller but much wider, Mercer running back Tyre Devazin, five foot eight, get this, two hundred and thirty-three pounds. That is a bowling ball like running back. He had nine hundred and forty-nine rush yards and eight touchdowns to go along with it. Heck, if he gets a couple more carries, he could have been over the thousand-yard mark. He could potentially hit that again in, or not again, but potentially hit that in 2019.
2: Yeah, those low, short, stocky running backs, man, they're hard mm. to tackle. And you, oh yeah, you see, you see some of those. Um, see yeah. the the short, strong guys break in the NFL. That's a, I mean, 949 yards speaks for itself at at five foot eight. And uh, I'll go to the first and only wide receiver here, Chattanooga wide receiver Bryce Nanelli. Six foot two, 190 pounds. He had 79 catches last year, 1,237 yards, and seven touchdowns on the season. And Joe, I know you are really high on him.
1: Yep. And I think this is a pretty apt comparison here. Oh. If you think about it, and I did a little bit of digging, is that he reminds me a little bit of Cooper Cup. They're both six foot two, they're both hovering around that 190 pound range. Both have great hands. If we're talking about a potential breakout player, even though he had an incredible season last year with 1,200 receiving yards, he could be in the top half of, not top half, rather, top 10 of receiving in FCS next year. So right after him, not as much of a receiver, but West Carolina tight end. Another West Carolina player, Owen foot 6'3", 240 pounds. He only had 23 receptions and 261 yards, but that perfect red zone threat with eight touchdowns hauled in in
2: 2018. And do you want me to touch on the offensive lineman? Yes, first, yeah?
1: John. Every time you are both offensive linemen.
2: All right, I can do that for you. All right, we have Furman offensive lineman Bo Layton and a Wofford offensive lineman Justice Bassinger, and I am pairing them up together uh, for a double analysis right now. Layton six seven two ninety. Passenger, six four I'm grouping them up, them up because they both have pro-level frames. They are both very big dudes. They're well-developed. They've obviously worked very hard in their uh, years in training. They're both seniors, and they're both expecting to have really big seasons for their team. These are two guys you need to watch. You need to look out for them throughout the season. You can't miss them on the field. Uh, these are the offensive linemen you need to watch this year.
1: What is it with you and always picking the tall guy? Is it because you, you're not tall and you want to feel taller?
2: Is this you, are, are you trying to attack my credibility in the <laughs> offensive lineman selection? Is that what's going on?
1: No, no, no. Is That's that not what I'm, what I'm saying. I'm saying, that, I'm saying that you like to pick. Uh, well, like, this is back-to-back weeks where you picked the very tall offensive lineman. Because Hunter Watts was last week.
2: Well, before this week, we had back-to-back weeks where you had discussed long snapping.
1: Okay, fine. Okay. Did you see that, uh, that, that Hunter Watts, even though he wasn't one of the mentioned athletes on the tweet from Leave, he went back and uh, retweeted mentioned. the
2: post. Yeah, he... Uh... Wait, say it again? He was mentioned in the tweet. Was he? Yes, he was. I didn't see him. I might be wrong. Well, you got dead eyes, Joe. Whatever. Eyes.
1: Right after him was East. Tennessee State defensive lineman. Get this name, folks. Another. Yeah, I think we should put together an all-name team of all the best players that have great names. This guy's name is Nasir Player, and no, that is not uh, some guy that forgot to finish his name in Madden Franchise. <laughs> it was like, ah, crap, I forgot to put a last name in there. Mr. New it. Player, six foot five, 271. That's a huge frame for a defensive lineman, and he played with that frame incredibly. 11 tackles for loss six sacks and 43 tackles
2: i'm ashamed that you got a laugh out of me for that one you're welcome the second defensive lineman on the list joseph randolph the second from the citadel six foot three 270 pounds and he had uh 14 tackles for loss last year joe that's a lot 14 buddy
1: he also made sam herder's number by best player by number list. Oh. I forget what number he was. I think he's in, he's in the 90s. I know that for a fact. Coming up after that is Furman linebacker Elijah McCoy. 91 tackles, two sacks, one interception, two forced fumbles. And he was only a freshman last year. Racking up tackles and making some big plays for McCoy.
2: The second linebacker on the list. Chattanooga, linebacker Marshall Cooper, six foot 98 tackles on the year, 13 tackles for loss, one interception, and Joe, I know you took it out of my notes, but I'm going to say it anyways, 15 tackles last year versus the Citadel, huge games for him, Cooper, uh, league leader uh, last year in tackles, very strong player.
1: I was just trying to test your memory to see if you could remember it. That's what it was? Okay. <laughs> so we're not 100% sure, though, how legitimate that 210 is, just because... Chattanooga decides to be one of those teams where they do not update their rosters consistently. Mm. Uh, could not find a 2018 roster. So I'm just going to assume that Cooper is heavier than 210, because realistically, he probably is. Most starting linebackers are, but still pretty good sized linebacker. And our last guy, and the only defensive back that we have on this list, East Tennessee State defensive back, Tyree Robinson. Five 5'11", 180, but you got to love these stats from him. 71 tackles, which is great to see from a defensive back, and then 6 interceptions plus 15 pass breakups. So he's able to make plays and tackles and get downfield, and he also proved that he is probably the most, if not one of the most, dominant pass-defending defensive backs in the Southern Conference. You got anything for us, Sean?
2: Uh, what are are we going on to the players to wa- uh, the players to watch? Yes, we are going right on to the
1: players to watch, Sean. Like we do every single week, we discuss out of those guys that we named, we are the most excited to watch that will probably be the best player on this list. Who is your guy, Sean? My guy
2: is, and you had him for your breakdown. Mercer running back Tyre 5'8", five eight two thirty three. In case the listeners forgot, the mm-hmm. Maurice Jones Drew of the running backs in the SoCon. I want to see what he could do. I think that he can get to a thousand yards. Um, that style of running back always intrigues me. I don't know why. I think it's just they they see the holes really well. I mm-hmm. think that he and running backs. That are that size that still have the good juice in their legs, they can be just so, so effective. And it's not necessarily, we're going to go with the quickest, uh, you know, the quickest guy that only weighs 180, 190 pounds. No knock to them. But I mean, this guy is going to go and and get us four yards falling forward. And I think that's a a really fun style of running back for me. So I'll be watching him all season.
1: Devison really does intrigue me too. And you always have to be interested by a guy that plays well at that size because it's a, it's an interesting mix. Um, he's, he does not suffer from any lack of speed despite being over 230 pounds. However, however my guy, and I already talked about him, I, I'm really bad at um, not giving away who my guy is, I feel like, because I always talk about them the most because as soon as I find them and I look at their numbers and I get a little bit more information on them, I always dig even further. But my guy, and I'm sure you could probably guess, folks, is Bryce Nully from Chattanooga. I'm a big fan of Cooper Cup, and as uh, weird as it is to draw comparisons to one specific guy that came from the FCS, I'm going to do it here. I think he could be a Cooper Cup-type guy. Cooper Cup was incredible at Eastern Washington, and if he continues to progress in it better, he could have that type of a rise in his draft stock as well. Sean. Who is your biggest sleeper, a team that could outperform the way they did last year and rise above the projections from the so-called speculators of how this conference is going to look?
2: My biggest sleeper, and I'm really just super enamored with this number, uh, is the Citadel. And solely because they racked up 33 sacks last year, I think if you can get that many sacks in one year, you can get the same amount and possibly more the next year. I have the Citadel as my sleeper, and I will stand by that one.
1: Yeah, Joseph Randolph was a key contributor in that sack production, but my team has to be West Carolina. If Mm. you noticed from this list of guys that we named, we have three offensive players. Three. They're going to have a really good offense next year, especially being led by Tyree Adams. And then on top of that, oh wait, no, we have two on here, my fault. But still, regardless, they have a productive offensive unit, and I like Tyree Adams. I like what I saw from him. They're going to be productive offensively. It's just a matter of how well that defense comes along. They have a lot to go if they want to outperform that 3-8 and eight mark last year but I do see them rising more towards the middle of the pack where some of these other teams were. Now, our biggest faller, a team that is going to have a bit of a fall from grace. Sean, who are you picking?
2: Well, this is parallel to the MiAC episode. Uh, I'm going with Samford. Their quarterback's gone. And that is just, we say it every week, and I'll continue to say it, it's not fun to pick fallers. Yeah, But you lose a, these instrumental players in your success, and you're probably not going to have the same type of season. I think Sanford might go 500 next year. Hopefully they, the, the next quarterback up in their ranks will be uh, strong enough to take over. Uh, but just for a specula- speculative and predictive standpoint, uh, I got Sanford falling.
1: I ended up picking the same team as you great minds think alike in this situation. And you put in perfect perspective, same thing as with San Diego and in the pioneer league, you lose an elite quarterback like Delvin Hodges. You are not going to be able to be as productive as you were last year. Newcomers at the quarterback position always struggle. It's going to take them a little bit. They're probably going to lose some games early on. And if they get their feet under them, it might be a little bit too late for them to have a good year and even to exceed that six and five mark that they had in 2018. And, but Kevin put it in a perfect perspective because Delvin Hodges really is going to be a missed asset for them. Finally, the last thing we got on here is our projected winner of the Southern Conference. And it just so happens back to back week, Sean and I picked
2: the same team. Sean, who is that? Hot take alert, Joe. Hot take. I am selecting Wofford to win the SOCON next year. Interesting. And I believe their numbers on offense, uh, they speak for themselves. And on defense. It's just, I think that they're the most complete team. I don't think they lost too many people. I think that this team is going to win the SOCON.
1: Yeah, I picked Wofford too, and it's just an easy pick to make. They were an elite run offense last season they are not really losing too many major contributors you like the fact that they're going to be having a returner veteran dominant offensive lineman in justice basinger you like what you see and i think kevin actually ended up picking wofford as well he indirectly picked wofford because i asked him who his pick would be and he said wofford because that's what a lot of people are picking and then he kept going and naming more teams that could potentially be there now finally, going to our DMs and our social media interaction, folks, just a quick reminder if you have any questions, any input, if you'd like to reach out to us, throw us anything you know, fun and interesting, ask us questions, you name it, follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon and also follow Sean on Twitter at SKAnderson29. And the one thing that we have today, and I think it, you know, it could take a little bit more time to talk about, is... Very interesting what we had over uh, the week, Sean, and I, you know, I was in the middle of working out and you texted me um, that we received a, a Twitter interaction with one of our uh, younger fans, and that's Tyler Cheek on Twitter, and he sent us a mock season creator. So what he did is he, in a Google Sheets spreadsheet, he put together a way to determine winners and outcomes of games, which will help calculate Season statistics and um, the, the the standing projection. So you know, I really like seeing this. That, that you know, Tyler is this interested in uh, FCS football, and then he was able to give us this this type of work. And you know, again, Tyler, just a huge shout out to you. I love the fact that you went out of the way to do this. And you know, even more props to you as well to reaching out to Sean and I. I you know, I really appreciate that. Um, keep up the good work and you know, if potentially if you're trying to get into media, you know, it's a great good sign that you're doing stuff like this as uh
2: pretty early on. It made my day better. Seeing yeah. that we had someone reach out to us and, and uh do something like that. Um I won't say what I was doing during the day, like Joe said that he was working out. Um Oh stop but it, it made my uh, my day better for sure.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, You know, again, love what Tyler showed us. It's just great stuff. You know, so again, keep up the good work. If you can come up with some uh, some other things, feel free to send it our way again, Tyler. And sorry, we have one other question that I forgot to include. And the question is from Jack Lloyd. I believe he asked us a question
2: already, didn't he? One of our best listeners, yes.
1: Yeah, Jack Lloyd. What is your plan for the show during the season? So that's a pretty good question, Sean, because – once the season gets rolling, things are going to get very tight as far as time because we have our obvious commitment to football and school. Right. And frankly, the way that things are going to work when the season starts is we're going to be talking about the big games coming up. We're going to break those down, who we think is going to win, um, you know, point out the games to watch. And then we're also going to take a little bit of time to break down the more important and pivotal games. So if, you know, if there's upsets. Um, there's a top 25 matchup and one team prevails. We're going to break that down as well, just following the major headlines. And I think the big key here that we're trying to be a little bit different from some of the FCS podcasts out there, uh, because they're a little bit more journalistic and providing news and, and, uh, in storylines, we're going to be giving you as much analysis as possible. We're going to break things down as deeply as we can and give you what it looks like from a player's perspective.
2: Yeah. Biggest performers, biggest performances. Yep. All of that. We we, we want to be able to cover it uh, more in depth. And I actually think we, we will have more content when the season starts. Yes. Up.
1: If time prevails or time permits, there we go. We will try to do two episodes. If not, we'll you know do the one episode and then once the season's over, if we're potentially not in um the playoff and in, in, in the in the in the in the tournament, we could start going towards the two episode format for the uh, FCS playoff. That being said, Sean, you got any closing remarks for us?
2: Uh, I don't have any closing remarks, really. I think it was uh, I think Tally provided us with uh, some really good uh, content, and I would like to see more of that uh, style of stuff from our listeners. I, I like I like it when they reach out to us. I like that we got. Uh, Mm -hmm. another question today from uh uh, from jack lloyd but i would like a a little more more people to be able to get mentioned on the show and have their thoughts and questions explained and if you do just have a thought or a statement that you want to make uh, a a take if you will i wouldn't mind having a a take of the week to rebut something along those lines just reach out to us and we can Uh, we can discuss it. I think that's what we're here for. We want to be able to interact with the listeners, uh, just a hair more.
1: Well, hopefully when the season gets going, we have some more interaction. Hopefully we get some people that are upset or they're very excited that their team won or lost, depending on what happens. (laughs) Those are always the best. That is going to be it for us, Sean. Make sure you go and subscribe to us wherever you can listen to a podcast, that being iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us at Believe.com. Just go through the directory and find FCS Football with Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. While you're at it, make sure you follow at Believe Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. A lot of great content coming from them and – Make sure you also check out some of the other podcasts they have. I think right now my favorite one, and they're getting a lot of run and we've talked about them, is the draft analysis one from uh, our two scouts that we have covering the NFL draft on the Believe Podcast Network.
2: You know what? I'm going to take a second. I'm calling out the K-pop Believe Podcast. I'm calling them out. I am sick of you stealing our shine on Twitter. We have done very well on Twitter with this last this, this last <laughs> week, haven't we, Joe? Our, we our have. believes tweets have uh, blown up. They're doing a really good job with their social media team, and I'm like, oh man, we are killing it. We are killing it with believes. Yeah, I see the k pop <laughs> uh, uh, podcast. It has uh, 200 retweets. 500 likes i'm just sitting (laughs) like oh got it i'm really i'm happy for them but they're still in our shine yeah yeah
1: sean dms me and he's like this is humbling (laughs) (laughs) i mean if you think about it and i think that the the one thing that separates believe from everyone else is they've done a really good job of finding finding niche topics to cover because have you seen another uh k-pop podcast out there they're probably the best and one of the few that are out there and they're oh, just dominating the monopolizing the field so that's like why they're doing so well
2: thousands of them joe there has to be thousands of them if they're getting that much
1: okay. well okay well how many of them do you think are some some dude in his basement just talking right. about yeah that's K-pop? true we
2: we are true professionals here he's
1: got me. his uh he's got his pillow with him too <laughs> that's the, that's his co-host hey man i'm <laughs> <laughs> when are you buying one of those
2: and what what's what do you have against dudes that are in basements? Like, I, re, I record in a basement.
1: I live in a basement. <laughs> and I'm home. Nice. Yeah. All right, that's going to be it, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And that is going to be it from us.